I want to talk about the blood of Jesus today. A fitting theme since we have partaken of communion and it's kind of a special day for this. We need to understand as Christians the significance of Jesus' death on the cross and the shedding of his blood. It's important to know what he's done for us so that we can walk in the victory that he won for us. Amen? Hebrews 9, verse 22, says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. It is the blood of Jesus that bought our freedom for us. Make no mistake. That's what all those Old Testament sacrifices were a picture of. The final sacrifice. The one necessary sacrifice. Those were temporary types and shadows pointing to the day and time when Jesus would come and fulfill all the need for ever having another sacrifice. Seven is the number for perfection for God. You might say His signature. If you remember last week, I touched on the sevenfold spirits of God and the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. When giving Aaron instructions for the atonement on the mercy seat in the Old Covenant, God said the blood was to be sprinkled there seven times. It says in Leviticus sixteen seventeen, And he shall take of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with finger seven times. God also had Jesus shed his blood at seven places. And this is significant. There's nothing insignificant in the Bible. And I believe we're going to be uncovering and talking about things like this for thousands of years. Everything is all knitted together. Numbers and the stars and everything. Even in our DNA, there's a molecule in us that they found. I can't remember the name of it now. I did a whole message on it one time. But when they coded it out and look at it in a microscope, it looks like the shape of a cross. And it's like they've decided it is the glue that holds the molecule together. It's the reason we don't just... <laughs> and uh, laminin, 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 something like that. <laughs> Nevertheless. <laughs> but there are amazing things in the Word. But God had Jesus to shed his blood in seven places. Each place that he shed his blood, he repurchased. See, the payment for us, for everything, was his blood. His blood is the powerful substance that was necessary. That pure blood, that holy undefiled blood, was what it took to redeem or, or get us back from a situation that we've gotten ourselves into. <clears throat> to get us to that number five, as it were. Father, Son, 
Holy Spirit, creation. Ugh. Number of man. Number four, corruption entered into that creation and there was nothing we could do to save ourselves. We needed the number five to come. That's redemption or grace. Without Jesus, we could have never saved ourselves. We've been stuck right there. So, we need to understand that what Jesus has done by the shedding of his blood is to provide us with freedom. And I want to look at the redemptive attributes of the shedding of his blood today. And I'm going to labor through this because (coughs) I don't want to get caught up in preaching It says in the Bible that Jesus, he preached and teach. He would preach and teach. And he taught a lot more than he preached. And he's brought the church into a season where that's what he wants from his ministers too. I've heard a lot of them say that that's what Lord has dealt with them about. Because we went to a t- through a time when it was... Who was the most entertaining? Who could jump up on the most tables and chairs and and get that screech and screaming in his voice and get the cadence going and all that entertaining stuff, which is really fun to watch, but you don't learn a whole lot. You remember, man, I was fired up, but you don't remember why. (laughs) God wants us to learn. Jesus has won the victory. The war is over. So why are God's people still living oppressed by this defeated enemy? That's the question that we want to answer today. And we want to go in even further. Because the reason that we as a church, even though we have the victory in Christ, are living defeated is because the devil is still squatting on our property. Excuse me. Just, just as many people, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, they had their, the, what do you call it? Um, the temple was was in Shiloh back then for a long time before it was ever in Jerusalem. And there were a lot of people that just camped out there. It was pretty cool there. Everything was going on. But there was really each group God had given particular territory to. And after quite a few years, some of the groups had still just been hanging around there in Shiloh and never gone to possess the land that God had given them. And there were people in those lands that they were supposed to go run off and kill And he says, how long before you go and possess the land which I have given you? And so he had to kind of light a fire under them to get them moving. And that's all type and shadow of the church. And now our promised land is the land of promises that I always talk about. And we have a spiritual inheritance that we have to claim. And I'm here to tell you that the devil is squatting on your property. It's up to us to serve him with the eviction notice and get him the heck out of there to enforce the judgment. We have to take possession of what's ours 
and evict the enemy from our territory. Make no mistake, Satan is no gentleman. He's not a nice guy. And what he loves the most in a Christian is passivity. Just to, make, just to find a nice, passive Christian who just doesn't do anything about him being in their place. <laughs> he won't go voluntarily is what I'm saying. He's not just going to get up and, and move out because Jesus has defeated him on the cross. He has to be forced out. And by simply not acknowledging, as what a lot of Christians do, they just don't know or they don't acknowledge, either by ignorance or by spiritual laziness, doesn't matter. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. <laughs> you ever heard that? <laughs> well, that's how he feels. I don't care why you're not forcing me out. I'm not going to get out unless you do. So you can either act like there's not a really a war going on, or you could just be ignorant of the fact, you know, there are a lot of people that don't believe that sort of thing. They don't know much about the Bible and the things that they don't understand or can't see with their eyes, they just disregard. And I feel sorry for those people. They need to get out of that church and go somewhere where they can be fed the real truth of the Word of God. Amen? <clears throat> Point is, Jesus has done His part. Now we have to do ours. Otherwise, it's just as if he never came. So we have to learn, and then we have to apply what we learn. Now don't get me wrong. You could, you could be one of those Christians, and the, the main benefit of your salvation, being in heaven... Is, is yours. You're not going to miss out on that as long as you believe and you've given your life to, to Christ. I'm not saying that. But in this life, you will suffer loss. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But He, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus suffered wounds and bruises, chastisement and stripes. He shed his precious redeeming blood in seven places. And let's take a look at those, okay? The first place I want to mention is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where he was arrested on that fateful night after he partook of the Last Supper, as we just did, this Holy Communion with his disciples in the upper room. And then they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he began to pray. He knew what was coming. He had just told the disciples how it was going to go down. They were very sad because he told them how he was going to be killed. And then on the third day raised. Well, all they heard was he was going to be killed. <laughs> and they were upset. And he was too. And he began to pray. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, and the 44th verse, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat 
was like drops of blood falling on the ground. It's interesting that Luke is the only one that mentions his sweat being as blood because that would have been very significant to Luke because he was a physician. And that's, a, that's an anomaly, something like that. And they've shown in, through testing, um, through science now, that that can actually happen. But you have to be under such tremendous stress that it actually, there are blood vessels bursting in your head and it's causing that to mix in with the, the sweat and, and it actually, blood can actually come from your brow. But he was under tremendous stress. We see that. It's interesting And I want to, let me just tell you first what he, what he did for us there. Because each place that he dropped his blood or shed his blood, he was repurchasing something for you and for me that had been lost. That's what we're talking about this today. So I want us to grab hold of these truths and claim them for ourselves and not let the devil talk us out of our inheritance anymore. So this first place, he, here, he, he, he freed us or redeemed our our will our willpower if as it were in the garden of eden adam lost his willpower think about this now he lost his ability to say no to sin and to all that is evil and to the desire of the flesh And so just as it was in a garden, the Garden of Eden, that we gave up our free will and evil entered in, it was in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus gained this power back for us. That's a good place to shout. When he was tested, he prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now through Christ, we have power to say no to sin. Do you believe that? Every kind of bondage and self-seeking, self-promoting desire, we can turn it away. Temptation will come just as it did for Jesus that night. He wanted to say no. Do you realize that? Can you see that from the scripture? Father, if it's possible, if you're willing, take this away from me. I don't want to die. He had become fully man, just like us. The power he had working in his favor was the same thing you have available to you now, the Holy Spirit. Just as anyone would. He didn't want to die. We're not made to want to die. He may have died right then, to be honest with you, because of that tremendous stress he was under. But what happened? The angel came and attended to him. When he said, Father, not my will, but yours. When he agreed with God, the angel came and tended to him. 
strengthen him up, just like they do for you. Oh. Blood from his brow. The angel came and tended to him and strengthened him, and he was able to continue on with what he had decided to do, what God had decided for him, and he had agreed with God. And he got our free will back. Now the devil can't make us do anything. The next place he bled was the whipping post. You remember that part? Matthew 27, 26. Pilate released Barabbas. Remember that? And when he had scourged Jesus, beaten him, he delivered him up to be crucified. When he was scourged there, tied to that whipping post, what did he buy back there? He freed us from sickness and disease. By his stripes, we are healed. Every stripe. 39 stripes. 39 times. There are 39 root diseases in the world. Hello. Jesus, while tied of that post, would have been given 39 lashes. Each one of those beatings was for the sake of every sickness man would ever suffer. All sickness came from the curse. For breaking the law of God. <laughs> it's the blood of Jesus that breaks this curse in our lives. There's now no disease that Jesus can't break in our bodies. He, can't, he can heal anything. Because He paid the price with His precious blood. For that right. That legal right. Now the enemy has no control over that. Unless we give it to Him. His body was broken so that ours could be whole. Jesus symbolized this breaking of His body in the breaking of the bread in the communion. So everyone who receives Him, just as we did today, qualifies to receive His healing power. The curse of sickness is broken by His blood. Isaiah 53, 5, By His stripes we are healed. The scourge that they're talking about that they whipped Him at the whipping post was the cruelest form of punishment. Somebody would be hit with that 39 times. was known as a cat of nine tails. And each one of the strands had pieces of sharp bone or, or glass or metal or lead at the end. Little hooks. All kind of little nasty shards on there. Designed to do damage to the flesh. According to the law, you could whip somebody with that thing 40 times, but it was customary that they would stop at 39. They thought the 40th one would kill somebody. That's, that's, that's what they were pushing it to the limit. I've heard people actually say that they don't think that that was 
may be true with the Romans because they weren't they didn't have to go by the law as the Israelites did and they were the ones whipping him. But seeing as how God is and how the 39 root diseases in the world, I really think that that's probably what happened. It was terrible anyway. We agree on that. Psalm 129 verse 3 says, the plowers plowed upon my back. And Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Jesus went through terrible suffering so that we may be healed. Amen. The third place he shed his blood was internally beneath his skin. It says he was beaten and bruised. Didn't it say that? Bruising is bleeding just beneath the surface of the skin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Here he bled internally to free us from our transgressions, from all iniquity and sinful desires. What the Bible refers to as an evil concupiscence or overwhelming desire to do evil. A transgression is something that you do knowing at the time that it's wrong. That's a transgression. It's a willful sin. Iniquity is a weakness or a fault that comes with you. It was born in you. <laughs> we, all, we all suffer. We all suffered from both things. Trust me. Transgressions from things we did knowing we shouldn't have. And from things that came with us. It's a generational sin. For example, your father or your mother, your grandmother, they might have been angry, mean people. And then your mom or dad was the same. And then you got it too. <laughs> Something you had to overcome. It's a generational curse. Came with you. You know anybody like that? <laughs> you might say, I remember saying, man, those, those Johnsons, they're, they're crazy, man. You ever, you ever know a family like that? They're, they're all crazy. Yep, maybe. They might be. It came with them. In the Bible, you, you see things like this throughout the Bible. You remember Abraham, he had a problem with lying, didn't he? That's not my wife. <laughs> well, then what happened? Who came after him? His son was Isaac. He, he told the same lie. And then Jacob after him, he told the same exact lie. All you got to do is read the Bible. It's all in there. This is something that's passed down. Abraham had a lying problem, so, so did Isaac and Jacob. Jesus came to break us free of these things. And that's, that's part of it. Jesus suffered a lot of internal bleeding. These bruises from the beatings He took. It's to liberate us from the power of transgressions. The power of the iniquities that we came with. So we can live a life free of curses. Do you believe it? Those generational curses now, they have to go. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Any attack, any damage to our physical, emotional, or spiritual well-being can be healed. Part of our inheritance. I, I, know, I know a man who he spent the first 20, 30 years of his ministry really casting out thousands of demons. And the older he got, he just said, you know, I've kind of gotten away from that. It's so much. You know, I still cast out a demon if somebody comes and they're really, <laughs> really no choice, you know. <laughs> needs to be dealt with and now, you know, for their sake and others. But other than that, the Word, the Word is more sure. The Word will, will take care of those things over time. That's why teaching is so important. And with the Word, when you really get it, you, you're free. Because I can cast a demon out of somebody right now if they walk in this room. But if they're not ready to come to the Lord and to receive teaching and instruction, which most aren't right away, that demon could come back and bring a lot of others with him. They're even worse. So, I trust the Word more. I'll do it either way myself too, but I trust the Word. I know the importance of discipleship. That's why I'm thankful that God called me to labor in this in this uh, particular office uh, of teaching, you know, because it's more fruitful. might not be as fun or exciting, you know, not as many goosebumps, but it's more sure. <laughs> Long term. <laughs> the fourth thing, the fourth place is the crown of thorns. If you remember that one. Unfortunately, or fortunately for us, it seems terrible, and it was. But Matthew twenty-seven, twenty-nine, and plating a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. I think of mesquite thorns. You know, we have those all over our place out in central Texas. And man, those mesquite thorns are like that, and they're poisonous. And man, it's just awful. But I just, I've seen those crowns. I'm sure everybody's seen those crowns that they've made to reenact the crown of thorns. And they push it down on his head, you know, cause him to bleed and suffer and to mock him and and try to shame him more. In this particular place, we can be thankful, though, because he freed us to give us back our peace of mind, our freedom from mental torment and striving to liberate our minds. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The peace which the enemy took from us. God restored it again in Jesus. All mental bondage and strongholds were removed from us when they pressed the thorns onto Jesus' head. He shed blood from his head so our minds can be free. Free to make right decisions for our future. If the enemy can oppress our minds, he can also control our destinies. But now, he doesn't have authority to do this because of Jesus' shed blood. Isn't that beautiful? It's powerful. 
no sickness, no disease, stress, or condition of the mind can hold us back. Because of Jesus, we're freed from the curse of poverty. We're released into God's abundance now. They pierced his hands, number five. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen. Jesus said it like this, or the prophet speaking about Jesus to come. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And they crucified him. Here the Lord restored total dominion to the work of our hands. Power and control and authority. Power to succeed and to prosper. And the ability to receive our spiritual inheritance from God. Until then, we couldn't receive what was ours because our hands were still defiled by sin. Satan could claim before God that we weren't qualified for any of these things, to receive anything from God, and he would have been right. But the blood of Jesus, when it came from his hands, it was to take away the curse on, our, on the work of our hands. To take away the sin that was testifying against us and to free us to lift our Hands to God in worship. To lift holy hands the Bible describes it as. With full confidence and expectation. A confident expectation of good from God. That's Christian hope. Our hands have been purified through the blood of Jesus. And the work of our hands can be blessed. Because the curse that was on the work of our hands is gone. Now everything we do can prosper. He shed blood when they pierced his feet. Number six. And they crucified him. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers surround me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. He bought back our dominion and our authority for our walk with God. For the Christian life. To walk it out. Tavani and I saw a little boy about this tall one time. I don't even know where we were anymore. Maybe Dallas or Atlanta or something. This little boy, man, he paced the he paced the floors of that church and he he preached a sermon called Walk It Out. Walk it out. Man, that little boy was anointed. <laughs> I never forgot that. Walk it out. And that's what he was talking about. Walking out our Walking out this life, this Christian life. Don't quit. (laughs) Adam is the one who gave these things up. All the stuff that Jesus purchased back for us are things that God had given us in the garden, dominion, us as as a people, humans. Given us authority and dominion in the garden. And then when we allowed Satan to come in, we gave it up. We gave up our rights and privileges, our dominion, our power and control, our authority. And it had to be bought back. It had to be, and it had to be done legally. Because God is just and he holds himself accountable to his own word even. So he had to devise the perfect plan for this salvation. 
And he and his determinate counsel, guess who God takes counsel with? Himself. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. That's the, that's the board. <laughs> and they are one. The determinate counsel, the Bible calls it. <laughs> Woo. Adam gave up our dominion. But the blood of Jesus bought it back. Now everything is under the, the feet of Jesus. Everything that's under our feet is under our power. Is what, is what God's way is. What's what He saying? God says, Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Joshua 1.3 Now we can go and take back our our cities, and we can take back our families, and we can take back our government, and we can take back our schools, and our media, and our destinies, because Jesus had restored us to the place of power over the enemy. Amen? Oh, that the church would grab a hold of this worldwide, just nationwide to start with. Oh, I think we're this close. I think we're this close. I think so many things are happening right now in the spiritual realm, John. I think that 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 beautiful picture of Revelation 12, I think it's just a, just a start. It's just a drop in the bucket of all the, the great revival that's about to happen in these last days. The church is going to be elevated and we're going to walk in power and con- Control and authority, dominion over all the wiles of the devil. The true bride of Christ is going to shine in these last days. I feel it. Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. These are demonic powers he's talking about. And over all the authority of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You understand your Holy Ghost power? Now don't go tempting God. Satan told Jesus, nothing going to hurt you. Throw yourself off this building. Jesus said, the word said, we're not supposed to tempt God. Mm-mm. Not going to tempt my father. What's the last one? He hung there on the cross. They pierced his side. John 19.34 But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a lance. And instantly there came forth blood and water. Here Jesus healed the broken hearted. Jesus went through great heartbreak in his life, especially in these last days. From the time he entered into Jerusalem, Judas, Judas turned on him, betrayed him. The crowd chose Barnabas, I mean Barabbas, Barnabas, Barabbas over Jesus. He was beaten and tortured and mocked and ridiculed by his own creation. 
His own mother had to watch Him hanging there naked on the cross. He felt betrayed by His own Father who He had never ever been apart from. Hanging there suspended between heaven and earth. Rejected by both. His heart was broken. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Betrayal, grief, abandonment, rejection. When Jesus died, you know, the soldier didn't pierce his heart. Just his side. But when they did, blood and water came out. So he literally died of a broken heart. When Jesus first began his ministry, he said, God has sent me here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to tell you today that the enemy may have done many things to you in this life. Crushed your heart, your will to live. Most of us have been to that place at one time or another. May have gone through many things at the hands of men and been tormented by the devil. But when we completely surrender our lives to Jesus, broken hearts are made new again. One time God said, I don't, I don't fix anything. I replace it. I make it new. Regardless of what's been done to us. Anyone has broken our heart. The heart of Jesus is broken. So that ours can be made whole again. You have a brand new heart today. You have your joy restored. I walk around saying that all the time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know when I say it the most? When I'm feeling down. I preach myself happy. That's what Paul did. Work for him. It'll work for me. You don't have to be sad and gloomy. You don't have to have depressed days. Not with Jesus. Joy has been repurchased back to us. And we can lay claim to it anytime we want. You know what else happened there when they plunged that spear into his side? Well, just as the first woman, Eve, the bride of Adam, came from the side of Adam. At that moment on the cross, as that spear plunged into the side of Jesus, the last Adam, the bride of Christ was born. The church was birthed from his side through the blood and the water. Then Jesus said, it's finished. He did His part. The work of redeeming mankind and repurchasing everything that had been lost was done. Completed. And He went and He sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And He's given us total dominion in this earth over all of the tricks and tactics and lies and deception of the devil. The curtain in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. 
They said a team of a hundred mules on each side couldn't have pulled that thing apart like that. If you ever ripped anything, it always rips from the bottom to the top. That thing was like 70 feet tall and so thick. And to rip from top to bottom like that, that was supernatural. God did that. Now, the new way has been made for us. Straight into the Holy of Holies. That's what that curtain was protecting from the world. Nobody could walk on holy ground because they'd be killed immediately. Now we as children of God can run right into the throne room of God. Ask Him for wisdom. Expecting mercy and grace any time. Interrupt all of His appointments. Always got time for His kids. He's a good, good Father. Everybody stand up if you would. And I'm going to I'm going to read something that I've put down here based on our inheritance in the blood of Jesus. And I want you all to receive it if you would just lift your hands. Close your eyes and just see yourself standing there at the throne of God. With Jesus standing there before the mercy seat, having shed his blood and placed it on that mercy seat on your behalf. Now I declare to you, based upon rights by Jesus' shed blood, receive power. I say to you right now, receive power to say no to your will, to your way, and yes to the will of God today in Jesus' name. I command every sickness and disease to leave your life in Jesus' name. Your healing has been paid for by Jesus Christ. You're now free in the name of Jesus. I decree to you, I command every grip of transgression and iniquity to break off from your life right now in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus, let there be restoration of wholeness in your life. No more transgression. No more iniquity in Jesus' name. I break off all oppression of the mind from you right now in Jesus' name. I command stress to leave you now in Jesus' name. I command all witchcraft of the mind to release you now in Jesus' name. I command every device and assignment of the devil sent against you to be burned away, canceled out and undone in Jesus' name. Now, go and walk in the victory of your destiny in Jesus' name. Be loose to make right choices for your destiny. Now, be free of the curse of poverty in Jesus' name. I command every curse pronounced on the work of your hands to be broken now in Jesus' name. I command every bondage of hands to let you go in Jesus' name. I command a divine cleansing upon your hands by the blood of Jesus. Let your inheritance be restored back to you. And may you receive power to prosper from this day forth in Jesus' name. Let the blood of Jesus flow over your feet right now in Jesus' name. Let all defilement be washed away from your feet in Jesus' name. Let your dominion be restored to you and make God make all your enemies to be subject unto you in Jesus' name. You can now go for what was yours. You'll be able to take it back in Jesus' name.
I declare to the brokenhearted, let the Lord arise in His power and give you a new heart in Jesus' name. I command all heaviness and gloom, depression, worry and fear to leave your life in Jesus' name. Let your sorrow be replaced with joy and may the blood of Jesus purify your heart from all brokenness you have had to endure. Be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, from this day forward, let us all grow in this power, in the redeeming power of Jesus' shed blood and walk in the victory and nothing less than total freedom for our lives. Just as He has paid the price, let us Take full advantage of everything that he has repurchased for us. Amen. 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 I love you. God bless you. Father, thank you so much for this day and for your word. Thank you for loving us and teaching about about the redeeming power of Jesus shed blood on our behalf. Let us not let it go unused on our behalf, Father. Help us to remember all these things that you have taught us, to apply them in our lives, and to run the devil off from every area that he tries to encroach. In Jesus' name, amen.